today we're going to be talking about uh, what we've been up to at the Catholic University of America School of Business and Economics. And um, I'd like to kind of start this off with uh, this little story. It was um, a, a blog post that uh, appeared, oh, this is going back a couple months ago. Uh, it was uh, titled, uh, Liberal College Professor is Terrified of His Liberal Students. And this article went on to basically talk about how the modern student today, today's student is so bit into this whole idea of uh, secular culture uh, that they are incapable of making rational choices and taking a rational approach to decision making. That everything, in fact, is based upon emotions. So I have a little slide here of various emotions. And I, you, it's a tip off of this. Oftentimes when you ask a student about something, they come back with, well, I feel, and then they basically tell you from an emotional response how they would respond to a particular issue. Um, obviously, this is kind of a problematic thing because uh, yesterday we were talking uh, in, a, in a previous session that Dave and, uh, and then John Larravee were, were speaking in about uh, the fact that uh, a lot of people get very much confused about definitional kinds of things and they forget about the incongruity of some of the p positions they hold. They just feel good to hold those positions even though if they go through a rational thought process they'll finally realize that they are, are in fact incompatible. So. To kind of build upon this thing, uh, let me talk about uh, what we did in uh, January of uh, 2013. We took a department of business and economics at the Catholic University uh, that had been there since 1895, 120-year-old uh, department, and we converted it into a business school. Now, who needs another business school? There are only 1,600 business schools in the United States, 16,000 business schools across the, the world, why do we need another business school? Well, we were convinced, our small group of faculty, were convinced that we needed a authentic Catholic business school. And we said we need a school that has instruction that, is, um, that integrates Catholic social doctrine all across all the courses. So that it's all based upon this wonderful uh, tradition of uh, understanding that uh, the church has put forth. Uh, all the encyclicals, the understand, great understanding from the saints and the popes of the, over the years in terms of how we should be getting along with one another. And frankly, business is all about getting along with people, accomplishing things through a good organization and uh, coordination and uh, cooperation between individuals. Uh, we also said that business school needs to be based upon this idea of business as a vocation. It's a calling from God. It's a calling, meaning it's something that individuals take on uh, based upon their interests, uh, their yearnings in their hearts, their talents that God has given them. They are gradually or perhaps uh, very, very quickly moved into the idea that business is the calling for them. It's what they want to devote their entire life work to. And it, this makes a difference, obviously, from a student standpoint, because if it's not just a job that you're trying to create. A job is something that you do to earn money so that you can do something that you really want to do in this world. A vocation is what you really want to do. So if business is your vocation, you're going to push it on a higher priority and you're going to want to really do it very well. 
so we said we need a school that really is able to um, effectively communicate that message to students and inspire students to do business very well. We also said we need to have this strong liberal arts core that sometimes seems to be missing in business. Many business schools are devaluing and dismissing the amount of liberal arts that their business students take, and yet we know that it's liberal arts that helps students understand how to think and how to express their ideas effectively. We thought that ethics needed to be integrated across the whole curriculum instead of just one ethics course. Uh, then we thought this number five, that in order for ethics to really work, because we understood that in many cases, uh, the people that uh, engaged in um, ethical violations in corporations, it wasn't that they didn't know that what they were doing was wrong. The problem was they lacked the virtue, they lacked the courage in some cases, the prudence in other cases, moderation in other cases, to actually resist the temptation to do the wrong thing. They knew what was wrong, but they resisted the temptation. So virtue is very important if we're going to create very effective business um, um, practitioners. And then, of course, we said, we've got to have things connected with practice. So many business schools deal with a high, um, a high theoretical perspective, but don't get students actually involved in creating businesses and doing business. And that was something that we wanted to have as an earmark but then we also wanted intellectual rigor. So in fact, there's these six characteristics that we want to. My paper today is to talk about number five, what we've been doing with virtue education. And what I'd like to do is approach it this way. I want to first talk a little bit about virtue. I expect everybody knows a lot about it. Um, so this will be a quick part. Then I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, the history of how we've looked at and, and especially Virtue has been part of uh, education, co collegiate education since the beginning, and where it's gone kind of off the rails. We want to look at that. We want to look at the approach that we took in terms of integrating virtue education into our curriculum. Uh, and then uh, I want to talk about the importance of liberal arts, what we've done in that area, the importance of the business core classes, and what we've done in those areas. Uh, importance of internships that we've, uh, uh, because internships, that practical element and practicing virtue is very important to understanding virtue and being educated. What materials we've gathered and are using, and then how we're uh, proposing and how we've gone about trying to assess whether in fact this whole idea of virtue education in business is actually working. So first thing I want to do is this overview of virtue. Everybody should know that um, when we're talking about character formation, we're talking about educating people to do the right thing. And what this means is almost a habitual response to situations so we don't actually have to go and analyze everything we do in our lives. We have this uh, practice and um, uh, habitual response because we understand virtues and we respond in that way. And of course, uh, the Catholic Church talks about very clearly that Theological virtues are things that Holy Spirit provides to us, and they drive the cardinal virtues, these four virtues of uh, prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. And then those cardinal virtues, based upon Aristotle, they drive all the other possible virtues that are present in a business environment. Um, all of this is one way of forming character for an individual, if we can get students to understand virtue, practice virtue, uh, and think about virtue as collegians, 
then we hope that in, as they become business uh, practitioners and business leaders, they will in, in, uh, incorporate that in their program as well. All right, virtue. Why should we educate folks for virtue? Well, there's an interesting study about Dell's Guard at Al in 2005. Uh, they found basically that there's a tremendous amount of commonality across cultures in how um, virtues are looked at. And in fact, they said that fortitude, justice, temperance, and prudence are present in all cultures that they could identify. Then they also suggested that charity and faith were also common across cultures. It's interesting that they left out, uh, or they could not find, other than the, in the Catholic uh, idea, the whole idea of, um, uh, let's see, charity, faith, and hope. The whole idea of hope, <coughs> the theological virtue, seems to be the one that is not present across all cultures. And yet, we as Catholics kind of think, hey, hope is a really good... <laughs> A really good virtue to have, and so uh, for, for purposes of, of this whole paper, um, we're, of course, incorporating it. But, um, and, in, and for the purposes of uh, education, we're, of course, including that as well. Some of the research has shown that uh, uh, virtue, uh, understanding of virtue, is important because uh, it's an essential requirement to achieve happiness in this world. You need to be virtuous in order to be happy about your own situation and what goes on. Um, developing beneficial relationships. Uh, this is Alex Havard. Uh, he's had several, um, several um, papers and books in this area. Um, leading an organization also, Alex Havard has done some work in that area um, and found that people who are virtuous make better leaders makes sense. Um, it's, um, uh, other studies have shown that um, making ethical decisions uh, is very good <laughs> to have virtue. Virtuous people tend to make better decisions. And then uh, in, in some work that I did uh, and presented uh, a year ago, um, if we're going to have good teamwork, virtuous people make better team members. And in fact, teams result more a cohesive uh, approach when, when they are composed of virtuous team members, and therefore the team does better than competing teams. All right, all of this kind of suggests that it's a really good idea for business leaders and business people who, you know, who are virtuous. So uh, if we look at a historical perspective, we can go all the way back to um, the Code of Hammurabi, uh, the Babylonian king. Um, he had 282 different precepts of things that are important to do, and many of them dealt with virtue. In fact, I think I could identify about 12, in my paper I've got a, a list of virtues that are inherent in that work. And then of course we had Aristotle, and uh, uh, primarily Aristotle, uh, building upon uh, work that the other scholars were talking about. Uh, in terms of this whole notion of what virtue is, uh, the cardinal virtues and how important those are in your lives. So um, that was 350 BC, that time, type frame. And then, of course, when um, our Lord Jesus Christ was on earth, uh, he spoke about virtue. He talked about the Beatitudes as being very important virtues that all of us should ascribe to. Um, and I don't mean to, I think this slide didn't quite turn out right. In fact, my wife told me, you know, the, I should have this arrow a little bit more of an arch uh, because in fact, um, by the time 
that universities were begun, and it was the Catholic Church that began universities you know, in the 1100s, basically. Uh, um, there was a lot of virtue that was taught at that time. And in fact, um, Peter Lombard's book called The Sentences uh, became the way in which um, theology was provided as a basic instruction for 500 years. Uh, so from the 1100s all the way up to the 1600s, Lombard's book was a very important uh, book for the whole thing. And it was, uh, there was a lot of virtue in that book. So virtue was a very important part of theology and the whole uh, understanding of, of university education during that period of time. Um, if we go a little bit further on, um, let's start with um, the, <laughs> the, the, the funny looking character down here in the lower left is um, Wilhelm uh, von uh, Humboldt. Ah, yeah. uh, yes. Uh, in 1809, he's the one that started the University of Berlin. But he had profound effect on universities and university education starting in about that period of time because he was a product of the Protestant Reformation. Um, of course, it took a little bit of time. That's obviously several hundred years before he came on the scene. But living in this uh, milieu, he was the one that said, you know, theology is not the principal thing. It's not the cornerstone of a really good educated person. Rather, it's philosophy. Philosophy ought to be number one. Yeah, theology is important, but philosophy is number one. And by making that change, philosophy became more important, and then this started to reduce the importance of theology in university education and its attendant importance on the development of, the, of personal character and virtue. And then a little bit later on, I've got in the upper right-hand corner, uh, Joseph uh, Wharton. He um, talks about business, and, and this is maybe in the, the idea of business schools. Um, Wharton uh, funded the very first business school in the United States. And uh, that was in uh, 1881, I believe it was. But by 1901, excuse me, in, in 1881 when it started, uh, Joseph Wharton said, you know, the most important thing, and he was echoing uh, what everybody was saying up to that time, the most important thing in university education is character formation. We're not talking about preparing people for specific degrees. We're talking about building character so that they become lifelong learners and can be very effective in their careers. That was in 1881, but by 1901, what was happening is that uh, at Wharton School and at other, how much time? Do we have? 15. What's that? 15. 15, okay, thank you. And um, so in <laughs> what was happening at, at this point in time was that um, uh, other disciplines were looking kind of down their nose at business because business was basically teaching vocational kinds of subjects. And this was not perceived to be very, um, uh, you know, and, and the business faculty said, well, hey, what do we have to do to be considered to be full-blown, you know, equal to the rest of the folks? And the answer was we need to incorporate science into what we're doing. And so it was 1901 when Wharton started incorporating science into all of their courses. And this also kind of changed, I think was a, a really a important change. By the 1960s, Alan Bloom says, 
that basically were off the rails, uh, that virtue is completely out of, the, out of uh, collegiate-style uh, education. So this is a problem. So we said, how do we fix this whole thing? Um, and just to give you a little bit of background, in 2012, uh, Justice and Peace uh, came out with this, the, the vocation of the business leader, a reflection. So this was a uh, document. And in that document, they talked about the importance of virtue uh, for business leaders. So this was kind of the first thing that said. Of course, we formed the school January 2013. Um, and I think I mentioned to you, um, you know, some of the things that we were trying to achieve. But with respect to virtue, um, our founding dean, Andrew Obella, had done some work in a paper uh, dealing with virtue. And um, so he presented that paper to the faculty. And the faculty said, hey, why don't we make sure that we've got virtue covered in our things? How do we do that? Well, first of all, we talked about we better have this distinctive liberal arts foundation that provides the foundation for virtue. Um, we better have some business courses that, that, that actually teach virtue. You can't just do it in one course. It ought to be across several courses. Uh, that um, we ought to have some cases so that students have the opportunity to practice and learn virtue in terms of, uh, you know, how that, can, how that for it works. Um, we need some materials and, uh, and then internships and assessments. So let me go on to, let's talk about our liberal arts foundation. Um, at Catholic University of America, and I don't know whether it's true at, at all Catholic universities, but here's the way it worked there. There are 22 courses that students are supposed to take as far as their liberal arts core, or liberal arts courses, and what they do is they select courses from various categories. So very Humboldtian, uh, it's allowed to be f basically freedom of choice. Students can say, oh, I'd like to take this one. Yeah, let me take this. Uh, this one sounds interesting. Let me take this. Let me take this. Okay, the fact that they take all these courses, somehow we hope that they're going to have a really good solid um, core of liberal arts. We said, we don't like this idea. Um, what we did is we identified um, nine courses, that's 41% of the choices that students had uh, of the 22, nine courses, and we said these are going to be required courses for all business majors. We worked with the um, faculty in theology and philosophy and, and, uh, and literature and history, and we said what are their best courses, what are those courses going, what courses are going to give foundational kinds of things that are necessary to inculcate virtue and, and, of course, a good background in Catholic social doctrine. So we said, uh, so basically, as freshmen now, all of our business students are taking writing, logic, rhetoric, that English 101 course. They're taking philosophy, the classic mind, the modern mind, and then down as a sophomore, they're taking natural law. Those are philosophy courses, three philosophy courses that, are, that they're required to take. Uh, TRS, that's the theology courses. So they take faith and reason, um, Let's see, uh, Christian theology, where's the other one? Oh, and scripture. Uh, so uh, as sophomores, they take scripture, and as juniors, they take that uh, uh, Christian theology. Uh, then they also take, um, uh, let's see, what else? Renaissance art, Shakespearean literature. You say, why in the heck do they have to all take Shakespearean literature? Because Shakespeare, in many of his plays, really talks about virtuous situations. 
situations where the, the central character faces a dilemma and then has to apply virtue in effect in order to overcome that thing. And those are the kinds of stories that help us understand what it takes to be virtuous in difficult situations. <coughs> Business core classes. Um, we said we need to have a certain number of cla classes that, are, that we cover this in. And we didn't go and say, all right, it's going to be this course, this course, this course, and that course. What we basically did is we invited our faculty, all right, if you've got a course, how would you include virtue in it? And so as a result of this, over the clock, uh, I took a survey of all of my faculty, and I found that, in fact, 12 faculty teaching eight courses, I'm sorry, t seven courses, as it turned out, um, the vocation of business, which is the required course that all students take as incoming freshmen, uh, and then sophomore courses, an intro to accounting, business law, management theory, uh, the junior course, business ethics, marketing management, and then senior course, the business strategy course. These are the ones that the faculty chose to include significant virtue components. So this wasn't a top-directed, it was a top-suggested approach. But it resulted because the faculty said, you know, this is a good idea. Let's, let's incorporate this. And um, so that's where we ended up on that. The other thing we did is we uh, decided it's very important that cases, uh, not only important for virtue, but important for a lot of things in business. So uh, Harvard runs a, a, a workshop on teaching the case method. So we sent 12 of our professors up to uh, Harvard it was kind of like a party uh, thing, you know, that they all went together and worked together on this thing. But they came away with a real degree of excitement about not only um, teaching with the case method, but developing cases and cases specifically that had something to do with either virtue or Catholic social doctrine. And um, we also got a little bit of money from some outsiders to provide some funding for cases. And at the present time, we've completed uh, 15 cases having to do with virtue that are being incorporated in various courses. I also asked in my uh, little study of my faculty, okay, what textbooks or what outside readings did you find that are important that you're using? And there were um, 15 um, books that came up that are using sections of these books, or in some, time, some cases they're small books, so they use the whole book in, in the class. And, uh, so things like, um, uh, well, our founding dean, Andrew Obella and Joseph Capizzi at, uh, on campus uh, wrote this Catechism for Business, Tough Ethical Questions. So there is some, uh, that's, a, that's something that we're using. Um, let's see what else. I'm not sure, I, it, this, this list is in my paper. Um, so we can look at that and here's some more of these texts. I would say that, um, one of the really good ones, I think, is uh, Alexandra uh, Havard's book, uh, Created for Greatness, The Power of Magnanimity. And magnanimity is now one of the virtues that seems to be used several times in, in our courses, or taught several times. In fact, uh, here's a list of, I think it's uh, 36 virtues that my faculty have identified that they specifically cover across these seven courses. Uh, one of the things that's interesting about it is that in the first quartile, persistence, perseverance, uh, those are different virtues, but they almost sound like 
they're the same, but that seems to be something that's more frequently referred to and taught in our courses than others. And those are very important for business, that, that idea of persistence. Courage, truthfulness, curiosity, honesty, obviously industry, um, self-reliance and self-respect. So those are the top 25 percentile or top quarter of, of um, virtues that are taught. One of the things that comes out of this is you learn things. And my wife pointed out over here in the fourth quartile, so this is the lowest percentile of virtues that are taught. They're being taught, but the theological virtues seem to appear there. Faith, hope, and love are in that list. So we, they're, they're the number one thing. They ought to be taught at the beginning. So this is a thing I'm going to have to think about a little bit more. Why aren't we talking about faith, hope, and charity, um, or faith, hope, and love in our you know, you know, our business courses a little bit more. There might be some explanation for that. Maybe, it, maybe it's the fact that um, these are gifts of the Holy Spirit. Maybe they can't be taught, you know. Maybe this, that's, they just can be referred to, perhaps. Okay, how do you assess whether the, the, the students are learning anything? Well, um, uh, one way is for, and, and several of our faculty have asked uh, students to do this. Um, day one, uh, they come in, you're required to keep a journal of, on virtue. Um, so what you do is you identify uh, opportunities for virtue that you uh, have, and then how, on a daily basis, take down some notes, and then you turn this in at the, uh, you know, at halfway, uh, midterm of the semester, and then at the end of the semester for grading in terms of uh, um, the fact that you've worked on these virtues. And in some cases, faculty, faculty will indicate, okay, pick four virtues that you'd like to work on this semester, and then tell me how you've gone about in terms of um, getting those done. Um, sometimes uh, a faculty might ask for a summary paper. Um, and then another, another situation is you bring in a, um, a discussion case or a current event uh, of something that has gone wrong and you ask, okay, what virtue is lacking in this situation? Or what virtue might work as an antidote? Had the individual or perpetrator in this thing had a dose of this particular virtue, would that have prevented this particular thing from going astray? And of course, exams and quizzes in terms of uh, 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 assessment of uh, what they know about virtue and uh, uh, what various virtues mean and how they apply to certain situations. So in terms of next steps, on, uh, all of our students take at the, end of their, uh, at the end of their four years, they're required to take a comprehensive exam uh, on what they do. So this is the kind of the final assessment. And um, so we're, even though we started this process uh, almost three years ago, it's been really uh, as we've implemented this thing uh, we're not just now getting students that are going through and actually having uh, three years of it or next year we'll have students that will have, have perceived or have experienced four years of virtue and so what we're doing is we're incorporating virtue uh, questions in that uh, overall comprehensive assessment so then we'll have a way of telling uh, whether students have uh, actually mastered this material or to the extent that they've mastered it. We also want to introduce, uh, because we do assessments when students come in, so we'll include a virtue assessment when students start into school as freshmen, so then we'll be able to compare over four years what the change is, and so we'll have a little bit 
more information on that. And then we'll be able to compare various majors as well. So that's uh, kind of where we are. And um, uh, so, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. <laughs>